All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Aaron, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. All right, you guys. On the line, we have Ramsey Baroud, longtime friend of the show, regular contributor to antiwar.com, and a refugee from Palestine, author of My Father Was a Freedom Fighter, These Chains Will Be Broken, and uh, other books about an edit author and editor of books about the situation in Palestine. And he's also the editor of the Palestine Chronicle. Welcome back to the show, Ramsey. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me, Scott. I really appreciate you joining us today. It's uh, it's a hell of a time, I know, for everyone. So um, essentially the floor is yours. The setup is that Hamas launched a major jailbreak, basically, on uh, early Saturday morning, last Saturday morning, they committed deliberate atrocities against civilians in Israel. And then, of course, were eventually chased back or killed, um, the fighters who did it. And then, so now the Israelis are having their revenge and have launched an assault on the Gaza Strip with the declared intention of the complete destruction of Hamas as a group, which obviously would require an absolute full-scale invasion, not just an air war, uh, but a full-scale invasion of the Strip. The Washington Post says it's they're being it's being prepared right now. And of course, your new article at antiwar.com addresses the difficulty that the Israelis will likely face in doing so. But uh, all that being said, I'd like to turn over uh, the floor to you. I know you're a leftist and no partisan of the right-wing Islamist Hamas movement in any way. Um, and so, uh, do not feel like anyone's trying to make you answer for what they've done or anything like that. But, uh, the floor is yours, sir, to talk about whatever your take on the current situation. Uh, thank you very much, Scott. These are, these are very, very difficult times. Um, unfortunately though, we can't, we can't claim that they have been, that, that they are unexpected in any way. Um, I've been on your show uh, many times, Scott, and and that's precisely what we have been talking about, that that the pressure has been building up for a long time, and it's going to manifest itself in something. Um, if, if if listeners go back to my articles and my, the shows that we've done together, and, you know, you will see that, that, you know, this cannot be a surprise for those who truly understood what is happening in Palestine. But this is the worst possible scenario to feel vindicated because terrible things are happening. Um, the first context is that of the Israeli siege on Gaza. It has been around for 17 years. And that siege has resulted in the death of thousands of people because of the lack of medicine, because of diseases resulting from the 100% polluted water of the Strip. The, the, uh, the generation, the generation, and I think this is really interesting that nobody is talking about that those fighters of Hamas, Islamic Jihad, the socialist movement, and everybody else who is involved in this war, uh, these fighters were babies. They were children. They were toddlers when the siege was imposed on Gaza. 
they have never seen the world outside Gaza. They have never experienced a moment of freedom, nothing but dehumanization. And the dehumanization is not just that of the siege, but it is that of, of the wars that, that interrupted the siege uh, uh, repeatedly, 2008, 9, 2012, 2014, 2021. Um, I, remember, I remember the dates and, and, and the events and the names of all of these Israeli attacks I, I can't state them faster than I can state my own social security number. It's just in, it's it's just printed in our minds and our memories because each war meant thousands of dead and wounded. Each war meant complete devastation and destruction. In 2014, if I remember that particular piece uh, exactly, it was in the 2014 war that the Israelis were holding barbecues. And, and this can be verified. This is not about, you know, Palestinians are chopping babies' heads, propaganda. This is something that you can easily Google of Israelis in these settlements, the settlements that were in fact attacked. And I will tell you in a minute why Palestinians describe them as settlements. It's, it's a technical issue that is quite important for people to understand that, that Israelis were sitting and barbecuing and having music parties while watching the white phosphorus being dumped on Gaza high-fiving and cheering. We've seen that. The whole world's seen that. Some American media, uh, you know, major corporate media denied that, or not denied that, but did not play or did not make a big deal out of it, but it's available. It's out there. So it's not only the dehumanization of Palestinians, the killings of Palestinians, the besiegement of Palestinians, but also the dancing and the celebration at, at that collective grave and open-air prison that is Gaza. So is this really shocking to see a thousand to fifteen hundred well-trained young men rushing to 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 Israel, taking over military bases, attacking settlements, shooting soldiers and civilians alike. Um, I am not surprised in the least. I am surprised by the the dareness. It was during the day, not during the night. It came over ground, not underground. But I feel that that the, the anger itself is not surprising. Um, I, and I, I am yet to see a single Palestinian, a single Arab, a single Muslim, a single Middle Eastern, a single person who truly understands what's happening that would say, well, this was uncalled for, this was disproportionate, it's unfortunate, it's tragic in many ways, but was it unexpected, not in the least. But also keep in mind what has been happening in the West Bank during that time. Militarily, Israel has been attacking Palestinian villages um, and towns in the West Bank for months. Uh, the Israeli government led by far right, and this is so critical to this narrative. Since December, Israel has been ruled by a far right government. This far right government is itself a culmination of far right extremist genocidal mentality that has been gripping Israel for years. And it manifests itself in the military, in the settlements movement, and now in the government itself. What do these guys want? It's not just about killing a few Palestinians here and there. They want complete annexation of the West Bank. They want ethnic cleansing of Palestinians. They want, and they called out for it openly, religious war, to the point that Hamas itself was warning, which is the irony of all ironies, considering Hamas's image in the media. Hamas was warning that the Itamar bin Veer and, and, and his party and others in Israel are inching and closer towards a religious war. So 
What did we expect that's going to be the outcome of this? What did we expect that when the United Nations comes and says 2022 is the most violent year carried out by the Israeli military and settlers against Palestinians since 2005, only to come mid-year 2023 saying, no, we take it back. 2023 is on its way to be the most violent year. So, so violence has been building up for such a long time. I think what took us by surprise is this. Palestinians are a number, Scott. Let's be honest about this. Palestinians are victims. Palestinians, when they resist, their resistance is usually follows Israeli attack at someone, at Jenin, at Nablus, at Balata, at Gaza. When Palestinians initiate, they are single acts uh, of individuals opening fire, shooting, stabbing. But to see this kind of a collective resistance that is kind of like an army-like, an army-like, to the point that when people were saying, Ramsey, don't use the word war, this time I would say, you know what? No, this is war. This is the first truly Palestinian-Israeli war. Every war we have experienced prior to that was an Arab-Israeli war. This time is a Palestinian-Israeli war. How did a group of people living under siege, operating in tunnels, lacking everything imaginable, are able to build this kind of military capabilities to, uh, to, to achieve what you refer to as a jailbreak uh, and to actually be able to rush into Israel and do what they did. Um, it, it, is, it is something that truly expresses the nature of, of anger, absolute seething anger and humiliation that Palestinians feel. Some even on the left, yes, I am a leftist, but I am not truly happy with the way how some people in the left trying to understand this, because they too have been part of the dehumanization of Palestinians, or at least many of them have. They like to see Palestinians as victims. They like to feel sorry for Palestinians. When Palestinians fight back, it is not, it is not something that, that, that makes them feel uh, 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 that they can explain or justify. You can't justify to the point that in the first couple of days, a lot of them perpetrated or perpetuated rather the, the propaganda coming from Israel, not fully understanding what is true and what is not. And I wasn't, I wasn't denying anything. I was just saying, let's be, let's be careful. Let's be cautious before we make allegations. It takes it takes it takes months, sometimes years, to actually truly try to understand what has taken place. This has took every single time Israel attacked Gaza. It took months, sometimes more than a year, for the United Nations to issue a report, mostly because Israel would never allow them to go and actually investigate on the ground. Why are people rushing to judgment in an hour or two after the Hamas attack on southern Israel? Well, folks, sad to say. They lied us into war. All of them. World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq War I, Serbia, Afghanistan, Iraq War II, Libya, Syria, Yemen. All of them. But now you can get the ebook, All the War Lies, by me for free. Just sign up for the email list at the bottom of the page at scotthorton.org or go to scotthorton.org slash subscribe. Get All the War Lies by me for free. And then you'll never have to believe them again. Hey, y'all, Scott here. Let me tell you about Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, Inc. Who knew? Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and terribly distorted markets. If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them. You need to put some, at least, into precious metals. 
Well, Robertson Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. And they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, they're there for you too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800-874-9760. That's 800-874-9760. Or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. All right, well, let me so stop there for one been- second because I know time is short here and I want to make sure that you have uh, time to answer to this because, um, or, you know, to have your say about this. Um, because regardless of the worst atrocity stories, which are already being debunked and all that, they clearly directly targeted civilians. They didn't go right after, they did go right after IDF bases, but they also went right after kibbutzes and targeted civilians as well in this rave and things. So can you speak to that? I mean, um, absolutely. I mean, no, nobody, Scott, nobody has ever claimed, nobody has ever claimed that that neither the Palestinian resistance or any national liberation movement in the world is, you know, has historically been known of being perfectly consistent with humanitarian uh, rules and international law. We have seen a lot of videos and I've seen them myself and they were not part of a kind of a post-atrocity propaganda. It's something we have seen immediately. And and I have correspondence. I run the Palestine Chronicle. I have correspondence on the ground. They talk directly to these guys as they, or they talk to them immediately after they came from Gaza. They uploaded videos. The videos were sent to the Palestine Chronicle. Many of them were published. And it seems that at least, at least in terms of the political discourse, Muhammad al-Dayf, the head of Hamas, made it very clear. Listen, we are Muslims. We don't kill women, children, or elders. And these are the rules. According to Prophet Muhammad, you don't you don't destroy wells. You don't kill people of religion inside their houses of worship and so forth and so on. That's something that we Palestinians and Muslims have known all of our lives. Was this violated? I am pretty sure it was. And I'm not going to try to justify or or even contextualize that in any possible way. I am sure it was violated, um, but but was it intent? Was it the policy, as in you ISIS hordes go to Israel, kill every man, woman, and child you see in your way? No. And the reason we know that this did not happen is that they have taken over kibbutzims, they have taken over settlements, completely with thousands of people inside. Why didn't they kill everybody? They were there for a day or two. Why didn't they kill everybody? The number would have been fifty to sixty thousand. So, but it wasn't just, that again, for time's sake, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're saying that the, the worst atrocities that are being reported here, you believe, uh, at least at first glance, here seem to you to be a lack of discipline among the forces rather than their standing orders to do. I, I am certain of it, even before a conversation uh, or an investigation is conducted. I am certain of it, and I think by by releasing the mother and her two children yesterday. Because of the pressure, not by international media. By the way, nobody in Hamas cares, cares about Palestinian media, uh, international media, and nobody in the Arab world reads international media anyway. So it's not like, you know, there's been a lot of pressure and say, okay, let's release this mother and her two children. The pressure was coming from the Palestinian society itself. This is not us. It's the same kind of pressure that that many Palestinian intellectuals, including myself, in books and writings, put on Palestinians to end the phenomenon of suicide bombing. 
in 2000 to 2005, that we can't be using the same method methods that Sharon was using against Palestinians. And if we lose the moral upper hand, what's the point of anything that we are doing? So this was pressure built in from Israel, from mm-hmm. Palestinian society. And I'm glad I mean, that they look, did it. And I really hope that if they have any more uh, 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 children uh, uh, taken hostages, I really do hope that they are released. But that cannot in any way justify or explain the fact that there is an ongoing Hiroshima happening in Gaza. 12.5% of all of Gaza's homes have been destroyed. The entire infrastructure has been either destroyed or shut down. And the number of Palestinians killed are now closer to 1,500. Isn't that the whole point, Rams, that none of this violence can justify violence on the other side and back and forth and the way this is? And, and I understand, obviously, one side of the jailers and the other's the prison. Prisoners. But then, you know, the trustees in that prison are some pretty mean bastards, too. And so you just have a bunch of poor innocents stuck in the middle of a bunch of armed men killing each other. Right. But but see, this is where we, where the issue of moral equivalence comes in. Then then the Algerian, the Algerian liberation front carried out atrocities. They kicked out the French out of their country. Nobody is talking about the Algerian atrocities against the French because it was the French who had no business being in France, in in Algeria in in the first place. The same thing in South Africa, the same thing all over the world. Again, I really don't want to be caught in this position where I seem to be justifying, but I am just saying, what else did we expect when Palestinians have been killed uh, for the last 75 years in which and in which there are you know the various bouts of genocides have been carried around, uh, against them whether in south lebanon whether in gaza whether in the west bank Jenin, nablus etc right. so this was to be expected and those who were normalizing and those who were justifying and those who were moving on uh without the palestinians at all being part of the political equations have a lot to think about regardless how how they feel about this but they, nobody can now say that there can be peace and stability and screw the Palestinians. That cannot be said anymore, regardless of how people feel about what has taken place. Mm. They are back at the center of the political equation. Justice has to be brought back to Palestine. Coexistence has to be achieved in Palestine. And pressure has to be put on those who are arming and supporting Israel in this war against the Palestinians. All right, listen, I'm so sorry that we're out of time because I think we could carry on this conversation all afternoon, but I know you got to go. But uh, everybody, listen, this is the extremely important writer, Ramsey Baroud. He's one of our regulars at antiwar.com. His latest there is The Gaza War is Lost, but will Netanyahu concede? He's also the editor of the Palestine Chronicle, where I'm about to go and look right now. And uh, I hope that we can talk again soon. Thank you very much. Take care, sir. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., APSRadio.com, Antiwar.com, ScottHorton.org, and LibertarianInstitute.org.